listening to Here for Good, an academic podcast from leading researchers at Avondale University College. Welcome to Avondale's Here for Good research series. Today, Dr. Carolyn Rickett, Associate Dean of Research, speaks with guests Associate Professor Malcolm Anderson, Nursing Lecturer, Graduate Studies Convener, and Research Fellow at the Ingham Institute of Applied Medical Research, and Professor Graham Simpson, Director of the Brain Injury Rehabilitation Research Group at the Ingham Institute of Applied Medical Research, and Professor in the School of Human Services and Social Work at Griffith University. Their research collaboration focuses on resilience in family caregivers of relatives with traumatic neurological injury. Enjoy today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Malcolm and Graham. It's an interview I've been really looking forward to. I've heard your presentations a number of times. Really important field of research. But before we unpack some of that, Malcolm, can you just share with us what your role is? Thanks, Carolyn, and thanks for interviewing Graham and I. As postgraduate course convener, I have a, an important role in the context of research for Avondale College. There's three areas that I'm involved with, and that is education, infection control, and my main area of interest is in family outcomes following traumatic brain injury. And at the moment, we are focusing specifically on um, resilience in caregivers. And that research is done in collaboration with uh, the Ingham Institute. And Gray and I have been working on uh, that particular project involving resilience since uh, 2015. One of the wonderful things, Malcolm, is you have a role attached to the Ingham Institute as well. Do you want to just share a little bit about that with yes. us today? In 2017, I took on the role as a senior research fellow. And I was given that role and because of my expertise in structural equation modelling and it's a, a technique of analysis that is used, you know, in research but um, in the area of rehabilitation, um, I was one of the innovators in, the, in that uh, context of introducing that type of analysis. And it's a process that's used or analysis that is used to test models, to test theoretical models. It's a, a huge advantage for researchers to be able to use that approach because we can actually measure quite complex models made up of numbers of constructs. And in the context of resilience, Graham and I have worked on quite a comprehensive model which looks at a number of variables at any one time. And it gives us a more comprehensive understanding of caregiver outcomes following traumatic brain injury or spinal cord injury. Again, your work is so valuable, uh, both of you. We'll, we'll come back to maybe some of the specifics around resilience and caregivers. But, Graeme, if we can hear a little bit what your role is. Again, you've had a long relationship and collaboration with Malcolm, but we'd just love to hear a, bit, a little bit about you this morning. Thank you, Carolyn. I have a double professional background um, as a social worker um, and as a registered psychologist. I am funded through the Brain Injury Rehabilitation Unit at Liverpool Hospital as their dedicated research officer. Um, and we've been able to build up a research program uh, which is now located in the Ingham Institute for Applied Medical Research. So I'm the director of the Brain Injury Rehabilitation Research Group. But then I also have academic affiliations. So I'm an adjunct professor with the School of Human Services and Social Work at Griffith 
University. Um, and I also have links to the University of Wollongong and the University of Sydney. Uh, but very importantly for our uh, conversation today, um, I have a long-term collaboration with Malcolm uh, and that started uh, almost 20 years ago. Can you tell us about that start? I'm always fascinated how collaborations begin and how that came about. Malcolm? Well, this all came about when I was doing my PhD with Macquarie University. And um, that involved looking at family outcomes following traumatic brain injury. And I met Graham at uh, Lidcombe where uh, he was uh, one of their researchers and uh, social workers there. And I was recruiting, you know, participants for the research, that is caregivers who had um, uh, relatives with brain injury. And in that case, it was spouses who had partners with brain injury. And Graham really took me under his wing because he, he saw the project and took an interest in what I was doing. And um, with that, he was of great assistance in terms of uh, collecting data. So um, that's where my relationship with Graham began. And then from there, we started doing research together. And in the uh, earlier days, we were looking at um, the effects of traumatic brain injury on um, family life or family functioning and how changes in uh, family functioning impacted on the psychological distress experienced by uh, caregivers. And then <clears throat> as we progressed, we, we did some publications on, in that area. And then Graham uh, came to me, I think it was about 2014, and said, look, Let's take a look at the construct of resilience. And it's such and, an important and it's concept. Such an important area. Yeah. And it was a really a, a paradigm shift in understanding family outcomes. You know, we were looking at the area of positive psychology rather than focusing in on the uh, psychopathology. We wanted to learn how families who were resilient responded and were able to manage their lives by bouncing back, if you like, in the uh, face of adversity. And so we really moved the research into this direction in the field of rehabilitation. And we were probably the first to initiate this. And Graham published, I think it was back, back in about 2016, one of the first papers that looked at resilience in this area amongst caregivers uh, of those with spinal cord injury. And so that's where it launched. Wonderful. Graham, we hear a lot about resilience. In the context of your work, how would you define resilience? And wondering when you reflect on that, Malcolm's introduced again the concept of positive psychology. It links to some concepts Darren Morton has talked about in previous a previous podcast. Could you just spend some time with us on the idea of resilience and positive psychology? So resilience can be defined in a number of different ways. I think at its core, what it's talking about is uh, positive adaptation in the face of significant or severe adversity. And I guess that resilience research in our field has come out of uh, a couple of decades of research 
that really started in looking at um, children from deprived backgrounds or in lower socioeconomic areas or children that were facing significant trauma. And and what people had started to notice was that up to two-thirds of those children hadn't really succumbed to the pressures of the, uh, the, the stressors that they faced but actually had flourished in the context of that adversity. And so there was really the question was, why is it? What is the characteristics or the factors that come into play that mean that despite difficult circumstances, some people seem to grow and thrive rather than trying to identify the risk factors for why people might succumb to psychopathology, for example, which itself is an important question. But just, just, just before you go on, can you just unpack psychopathology for our listeners, what that means? So psychopathology is talking about a range of, I guess, mental health challenges that people might face in areas such as depression, uh, anxiety. Uh, eating disorders, post-traumatic stress. Uh, so I, I think that would be normally what we would be meaning when we're referring to psychopathology. It can also refer to less severe conditions like adjustment disorders. So th- that's normally what would be referred to by psychopathology. And positive psychology, when we hear that term in the context of your research. So positive psychology being, I guess, a number of different movements that have been associated with this change of focus uh, away from um, psychopathology to well-being and growth. Uh, and so there's an area of theory around post-traumatic growth, uh, which has been a very strong area uh, strengths-based uh, practice, which is something that's been of particular interest in social work, um, and then positive psychology, uh, uh, which kind of is probably as the title suggests, you know, uh, something that's really uh, very strongly associated with the discipline of psychology. The, the really seminal texts in the, these areas, uh, Tedeschi in terms of post-traumatic growth, um, Seligman in terms of learned optimism, were published in the mid-90s. So it's a, a relatively new uh, type of paradigm that we're now adopting or incorporating into our understanding of uh, uh, humanity, I guess, and um, uh, and it's a very, I think, flexible concept because it can be applied in the context of biology. You know, we talk about resilient plants um, or the resilience of a bush in recovering after uh, bushfires, um, but then across into individuals, um, families, communities, social systems and societies. So it, it has broad application. And of course, what we're particularly interested in is um, how we can be applying this construct and uh, a lot of the associated ideas into the area of rehabilitation, um, in the health sector, and particularly with an interest in uh, people's uh, responses to the challenge of, a, of an acute neurological uh, insult, whether that's a brain injury or a spinal cord injury. You're listening to Here for Good, a podcast from leading researchers at Avondale University College. I, re- I remember when you presented last year, there was a small logo that said bouncing forwards. So I wondered, Malcolm, how that idea sort of underpins your research around resilience. Well, when it comes to our research, what we found is that resilience amongst the caregivers we interviewed was a centrepiece in terms of outcome. 
Now, we all are aware that a person's personality plays a role in terms of how they res- respond to adverse life events. But um, what we are advocating is that resilience is a skill that can be learned. So certainly personality will play a role, but resilience itself is an important factor from our point of view. And in our research, what we found is that personality certainly was uh, an element involved, but in terms of its significance, you know, it, it was less significant than the role of resilience. So what we found is that people who were high in resilience were able to actually mobilise and bounce forward and access social support, for example, as a resource, which in turn reduced family uh, caregiver burden and improved, you know, their um, emotional overall well-being within these families. So that's what we really brought out of the research. There was other factors, but that was the main, one of the main findings. So really resilience was a protective factor in a way, in that it was encouraged people to, you know, mobilise resources and which in turn helped reduce burden amongst that caregiver group. I think often, you know, when we hear the concept resilience, we are thinking a return to a previous state of conditions, but I think listening to you now, you're talking about uh, a new pathway to a future, Graham. Would that be one way of this notion of bouncing forwards? I think so, and particularly the, this redefining resilience or refining the construct of resilience so that it talks about a set of ordinary skills that anyone can acquire. And once again, this is also uh, one of the notions behind post-traumatic growth, that people can grow through these experiences. So whether it's in terms of their coping skills or abilities, in terms of families and relationships strengthening and, and coming more together, in terms of people embarking upon new pathways, these would all be um, examples of that bouncing forward, I guess. And, um, and sometimes uh, th- these changes wouldn't have happened in people's lives if that adverse event um, hadn't hadn't occurred or taken place. So Malcolm, thinking about your research, uh, I know you've had publications, you've done international conference presentations uh, on this work. Are there some implications in the clinical space from your work? In terms of the clinical uh, implications of the research we've done, Graham has developed a strength to strength program which uh, he is currently uh, implementing in amongst uh, caregivers. And I invite Graham to comment on that. So Strength to Strength is a psychoeducational, it's a manualised program, uh, a a 10-hour program that we developed uh, to deliver to uh, family members who are supplying support to either a person with a brain injury or a person with a spinal cord injury. Um, And... Across the the program, we get people to tell the story about their journey um, up to coming together to meet in the group. We look at ways of proactive coping, um, positive reappraisal, of being able to lead a balanced sort of lifestyle in the context of caring and maintaining and building connections. And so that's the material that the, the program covers. We do it on a group basis because we think part of the very important element of that is families being able to 
share experiences and learn from each other. Uh, the staff uh, who facilitate the program, most of us haven't been in that experiential situation where we have a family member uh, with a traumatic neurologic injury. So it's a very important part is also creating the space to allow families to learn from each other and, and share experiences and information. We've been very pleased with uh, the uptake of that program. The development of it was funded through iCare New South Wales, their uh, funding body, and also the government authority that are responsible for people who've been injured in motor vehicle accidents and organising their lifetime care and support. And so we then uh, received further funding and we're now able to train facilitators in how to deliver the program. Um, and it can be delivered both in inpatient settings, community settings. We have an abbreviated version that can be uh, delivered in a one-day workshop format um, or by phone um, and telehealth. And uh, we have also, I guess, evaluated that, that program. And I think it's kind of just one example of how if we uh, think about treatment and our clinical management from a resilience paradigm, um, this is very different to the traditional carer support groups, which were um, a significant staple of the sort of services that were provided to family caregivers historically. Um, and so, uh, yes, I think resilience uh, starts to drive a whole range of new different ways of, of working with people, both in terms of assessment, so in terms of us looking and identifying people's strengths, um, their resources, um, validating their existing coping and then looking at ways of building on that coping, but not telling people what they should be doing, but giving people options that they can take up and run with. Uh, and then in terms of actual, the focus of interventions that we're not um, so much looking at trying to diminish people's levels of distress. Uh, there are other types of programs that might do that. Um, or uh, provide them with information, but really um, work with them to develop further skills that will enable them uh, to build that resilient adaptation. Thank you very much, Graeme, for those insights and for the very practical work you're doing. Malcolm, I know you've moved this research into the area of spirituality as well with a recent publication. Just wondering if we'd hear a little bit about that. Yes, thanks, Carolyn. What we're doing now is looking at spirituality and its um, links with resilience in caregivers. And um, I was fortunate enough to be invited by Graham and Kate Jones to assist with the analysis of a particular paper which looked at the links between spirituality, resilience and uh, caregiver adjustment. And what we found is that Certainly there was a strong link between between spirituality and resilience and, and psychological adjustment. Wonderful. If we want to read about your work, can you point us in a couple of directions? I know we can always access uh, work on research online or at least the citations, but is there any immediate publications that you would point our listeners uh, towards? So in terms of the uh, resilience research, we just had um, a paper in fact, with uh, Malcolm as the first author published in Neuropsychological Rehabilitation, which is a journal specific to our field. In terms of the, the work in the area of spirituality, which has really been driven by 
by PhD student Kate Jones, who's now doing further postdoctoral research. Uh, she uh, and um, the people working with her have published a review of the spirituality literature in the area of spinal cord injury, which has been published in Disability and Rehabilitation. Um, we're just about to the particular piece of work that Malcolm was referring to, been published in a journal called Clinical Rehabilitation. And we've been invited, both Malcolm, Kate and myself, to uh, submit manuscripts as part of a special issue on spirituality, uh, which will be a feature of a journal called Neuro Rehabilitation, which covers both um, spine, brain, any type of um, uh, neurological insult, uh, which is, I think, earmarked to be the first issue for that journal for 2020. Graham, Malcolm, thank you so much for joining us today, providing insights into the invaluable work that you're conducting, the research that you're doing to really improve the outcomes and lives of people. Thanks so much. Thank you. Pleasure. You've been listening to another Here for Good podcast brought to you by the Lifestyle and Health Research Centre at Avondale University College. Audio production by Connor Bowers and Dale Willis. For more information, you can find us online at avondale.edu.au.